0: Of redemption tonight in the book of Exodus. <coughs> See, it really works. <laughs> Amen. We had an awesome meeting last night. An awesome meeting. Praise God. Exodus. Let's look in chapter two and verse one. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him in an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Father, I thank you for your awesome word tonight. Bless us and speak to our hearts and change us tonight in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, foundational truth. You may be seated. (coughs) Foundational truth. Basics that will change your life. Amen. Moses, his birth, <clears throat> he was born in a time when the nation of Israel was in captivity. Now the background here is this. That Israel and his sons, remember the story of Joseph. How he went before Israel into Egypt. And God raised him up to save The people of Israel. God's chosen people. Joseph went ahead of them. And then years later, during the time of a famine, then Israel, his father, or Jacob, and the rest of the family went to Egypt because there was famine in the land and they were starving to death. Okay? So they go up to Egypt, about 70 to 75 of them. When they get there, over a period of time, Joseph dies. But Israel, the nation of Israel... Begins to grow from 70 to 2 to 3 million people. That's a lot of people. And they, they are in Egypt. Alright. What happens though is as they're dwelling in Egypt there is a bondage that comes on them. Egyptian bondage by the Pharaoh of Egypt. And God is going to raise up a deliverer named Moses to bring the people of God. How many of y'all have seen the Ten Commandments? Then you know what I'm talking about. God raised up Moses to deliver the people of God. The book of Exodus is the book of redemption. It is the book of deliverance. Moses is a type of Jesus Christ who is the deliverer. So in the midst of all this bondage that they are in, God is going to raise somebody up to bring them out. Now, the devil wants to keep you in bondage, in poverty, and in sorrow. That is His plan for your life. Bondage, poverty, and sorrow. But God's plan is to give you what? Freedom, liberty, and plenty. Freedom, liberty, and plenty. It is not God's will for you to be captive in bondage, to be poverty stricken, and to be always walking around in sorrow. That is the plan of Pharaoh. God wants you to come out of Egypt and be set free from that bondage. And have joy, liberty, and abundance. That is the God that we serve. And so while they're in their bondage, then God raises Moses to do this. Now, the first 40 years of his life, we know what happened, right? He first is born... And Jochebed and Amran, they're the mom and the dad of Moses, look at this young boy when he's born and says, this young man is a goodly child. Now they know the word of God, that God has promised that he's going to deliver them from that bondage. And they've been in there for hundreds of years. Now Moses is born and at the same time that he's born, the Pharaoh of Egypt decrees that all the boy babies are to be thrown into the river Nile. That is the decree of Pharaoh. Instead what happens is. Moses' his mom and dad build a ark of bulrushes. They take Moses and they put him inside of this ark of bulrushes. They wrap him in prayer. They wrap him in love. And they send him out into the river Nile. Placing that ark there. The same river that God said, or that Pharaoh said, was to be the place of destruction, God is going to use that to be the place of deliverance. So he, they take little baby Moses and put him in the river now, and he floats down the river in this little ark of bulrushes. Now, the, the daughter of Pharaoh just happens to go down there to the river now, at the time that Moses is floating by. Now Miriam, Moses' sister, is watching in the background to see what's going to happen to little brother. And he, she sees this Pharaoh's daughter go down to the river Nile and open up this little bulrush, ark of bulrushes. And as soon as she opens it up, the baby Moses cries out. And the Pharaoh's daughter, the one who gave the decree to kill them all, picks this Hebrew baby up and takes him into the palace with her. So that the, the Pharaoh that decreed their death, his daughter is the one that brings salvation or deliverance. And the river that he said they are to die in became God's place of salvation. You with me here? So they take baby Moses over into the palace there. And Miriam, Moses' sister, runs over and tells mom and dad what's happened. That Moses is now in the palace. There's a problem though. Moses is a little baby and he needs to be fed. So the palace sends for Jacobed, his mother, to come and nurse him and pays her to do it. Amen? So she nurses him, gets paid for it. And the whole time she's putting in the word of God into him. Telling him the truth that, you know, that God is the creator of the universe, etc. And that uh, there's only one God. And he's going to redeem us. You know, from this captivity. And she leaves them, him there in the palace. And he grows up in the palace. And he not only knows the word of God, but he also knows the science of Egypt. You with me here? He's surrounded by the schools of Egypt. He looks like an Egyptian on the outside, but he's a Hebrew on the inside. And he's raised up and he's being trained to possibly be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. You with me here? But again, everything that his mama put inside of him is going to affect his life. We as parents have a responsibility to raise our children in the ways of God. Sometimes you've got to put them in adverse situations. You've got to wrap them in prayer and trust, just trust God. Put the Word of God in them. But your responsibility is to put the Word in them so that when they grow up, they won't depart from God. And so that's what his mom and dad did. Now as time goes along, the Bible says that Moses begins to recognize that his brethren are being mistreated. So when he's at 40 years of age, having been raised in the palace, he sees this Egyptian smiting his brethren. And so he kills that Egyptian. He buries him in the sand, thinking now that the people of Israel are going to recognize that he's God's deliverer. The next day, he sees a couple of Hebrew brothers fussing and fighting. And they knew what Moses did the day before, how he slew that Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And they say, okay, well, you're going to make yourself Lord over us. And they, because Moses knew that it was known that he had killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand, Moses flees for his life. Okay, we're covering a lot of territory here, but I've got to. Okay. All right. Now, he goes over, he flees from there, and the next 40 years of his life is on the backside of the desert. So he leaves the palace and goes over into a wilderness. And there for 40 years, he's herding sheep. He's learning how to shepherd sheep. He's in the backside of the wilderness getting a degree from God. He's learning how to suffer. He's learning how to shepherd. He's being prepared by God to lead God's people out. Do you understand? Do you understand? I said, do you understand? This is God's degree program. You see, when in that first 40 years, when he slew that Egyptian and buried him in the sand, and then his two brothers were fussing and fighting, he tried to intervene there. Then he, he had to run. See, because he thought that he could present himself to be a redeemer. And his people just outright rejected him. So now he's got to run off in the wilderness time where he's just kind of isolated back there, learning how to shepherd and, and going through some very, very difficult times. Hallelujah. And that's when he really becomes a shepherd. You with me? The next 40 years of his life is going to be to lead God's people. All right. Now, let's go to that. God sends him back. Now, can y'all see this up here? Let me get my, my marker. Can y'all see this? We're moving pretty quick here, but. Right here we got Moses is born, right? He's fled Egypt at the age of 40. He's on the backside of the wilderness at the end of that 40 years. He's 80 years old. Exodus chapter 3. You can read this. And he has a burning bush experience. God calls him. God appears to him in a bush. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. And he hears the voice of God out of this bush. Calling him to be the deliverer. To his people. And so Moses says. Who do I say is sending me to them? And God says. Tell my people. I am that I am. Is sending you to them. So to make a long story short. Moses becomes a burning bush. From that day forward. He's got the fire of God in him. He leaves this burning bush experience. And he goes back into egypt and then god begins to send plagues now god told moses here at the burning bush okay his name and then he said moses throw down your rod he threw down his rod and it turned into a serpent and then god said pick up the rod and it turned back into a rod his hand turned into leprosy he put his hand in his bosom he pulled it back out and it was clear God's showing him that it's going to be by his power because the rod represents the power of God. Through the power of God, that's how deliverance is going to take place. Not through his human intellect, his human ability, but by God's power, he's going to do it. So he took up the rod, etc., etc. We talked about that. Now, from there, though, he's still talking back to God. He said, God, I can't talk. I'm slow of speech. God said, well, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. But because you doubt me, I'll give you Aaron, your older brother, to go with you to be your spokesman. And you shall be as God. And then uh, Aaron shall be as your prophet to speak in your place. So here goes Moses and Aaron back to Egypt they walk in there and they declare what God said to let God's people go from that Egyptian bondage amen but Pharaoh hardens his heart and so God as a result of that he sends ten plagues upon Egypt y'all know the story correct ten plagues are literally could be said ten mercies of God because all of these plagues are sent by God To get the people to repent. Not just to get Israel. In a place where they can be delivered. But so that he can save Egypt too. God wants to save Egypt. He wants to save Pharaoh. He wants to save the whole bunch. So he sends these ten plagues. And every one of these plagues. Are on one of the false Egyptian gods. Blood in the river now. They worship the river now. And so God turned the river now to blood. And on and on and on as you read those plagues. Every one of those plagues was on some false Egyptian God. God saying, I'm the true God. All this other stuff is, is false. Repent and turn to me. So Moses has these plagues are going on. He keeps going before Pharaoh. Let my people go, says God. Pharaoh refuses to let them go. He's like the devil. See, the devil doesn't want to let you go. He wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you in sorrow. And he wants to keep you in poverty. And if you think it's easy to break loose from him, it's not. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you tonight that God, the same God that sent those plagues on those false gods, is greater than all those false gods. And he's able to deliver. (coughs) I said, He's able to deliver. In fact, I'm just going to throw in a personal testimony here. The other other day, Sister Lori called me about 3.30 in the morning. Her brother came, knocked on the door. I don't know what time he went to her house, about 3 o'clock. And she called us up. She said, Pastor, I thank my brothers under demonic influence. And so, God, I, I began to talk to her about the situation. God said, go over there. I went over there. And when I got there, she was praying over him. And he, Something would take over this over his body and he would try to run out the door and so she'd pray over him and he'd fall down to the ground. And when I walked in there and I, I anyway, to make a long story short, he kept trying to run out the door and he would squirm on the floor and roll up in a ball, etc. etc. You know, there was some kind of demonic influence there. And so I just went over there and sat in a chair to, to, to fill out and discern what was going on. If it was just that he was on something or if it was demonic. And I, I sat in a chair for a few minutes and I waited on God to tell me how to handle it. I went over there and I started praying for him. I put my hands on him and as soon as I touched him, he, he drew away like that from me. And uh, Sister Lori and I, we begin to pray. My wife was on the phone with Sister Lori. And we were just praying and, and trusting God and believing God. And we'd start praying for him. And he'd go down to the floor and cover up and start squirming and all kinds of strange, contorted stuff going on. And so God told me when I went over there, he said, you don't go over there and let the devil put on a show. Because the devil likes to, to, to be uh, seen. The devil likes to perform. The devil wants to put on a show. Don't let him put on a show. You just go over there and you let me be center stage, not the devil. You go over there. The reason why you're going over there is to not say you've had a confrontation with the devil. It's so that a man can be delivered from that devil that wants to keep him bound in, in poverty and in sorrow. So I went over there, and he was acting like all this stuff, you know, this spirit was talking to him and through him and whatnot. And uh, so I asked that, I began to pray over him, and I, I said, Who are you? Because God told me when you go there, Ask him who you are. So I said, who are you? And he covered his head. And he said, I'm... And at the time, I didn't know what he said. But he said, I'm Aussie. In a real... A different type of voice than her brother. It wasn't his voice. It was another voice that was speaking out of him. He said, I'm Aussie. I said, you're a coward. You've got your head buried here right now. You won't say it out loud. Tell me... Tell me who you are out loud. And he said it again. I, I still didn't understand. So I just... Well, I don't got time to mess with you. So I just, in the name of Jesus, we agreed together and we sent that spirit out. Now, he, at that time, he got up, tried to run out the door again. The door was locked, tried to unlock the door, tried to bust out the door. So at that time, I ran in front of the door and I told him, I said, you're not going anywhere. You, You can't take this man anywhere. He's staying right here. And as soon as I did that... This, he went limp just like this. He didn't catch himself. He went straight back to the ground. I mean, and he hit hard. So I really believe that there was some real true demonic activity there. Not a game. Not playing stuff here. There was real true demonic activity that that had this man bound. Alright? At times, he would come to himself. That spirit would lose its control and power over him. And he'd come to himself. And at that time, then we would begin to to pray with him. And say, okay, right now, call on the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask God to deliver you. Ask God to cleanse you with his blood. Ask, Choose the Lord over the devil right now. And as we would pray for him, then that spirit would take over again. To try to stop him from doing that. And throw him back down on the ground. But eventually, the power of God overcame that spirit. Eventually, that spirit left that house. And he was on his knees and tears began to flow. And he came back to his right mind. Just like the demoniac wasn't in his right mind. Strange voices talking. Strange contortions taking place in his body. But when he, I want you to know the power of God is real to set people free and to deliver them. And so when God delivered him, as soon as he got delivered, he came, you could tell. I mean, it was an instantaneous, you could tell when he, when he got back in his right mind and he got back in control and the spirit wasn't, he started crying immediately. Tears began to flow down his face. I said, say with me right now, I choose Jesus and I belong to Jesus and not the devil. And as he began to say that, you know what? When I left there at about four, what noise about two hours of wrestling and prayer, about two hours went by when i left there he was in his right mind he came up and he grabbed me and he hugged me and he said thank you for coming pastor he was in his right mind keep him in your prayers because the enemy doesn't want to give up easy he doesn't want to let him go but i'm here to tell you that i have personally seen god delivering delivering power over the demonic forces And I just refused to let the devil put on a show and perform for me. I simply went over there to see this man delivered. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> so when I, when I speak about this, this Bible study and I talk about the power of God to overcome those demon powers that were in Egypt. And that demon power that was working in Pharaoh. By the power of God those plagues came. And by the power of God God's people were delivered. Now a lot of people today don't believe in the demonic. There were witches in the court of Pharaoh. There were people who were possessed by demons in the court of Pharaoh. But Moses went before Pharaoh in the midst of those ten plays. And he threw down his rod and it turned into a serpent. And then the other magicians threw their rods down and they turned into a serpent. But Moses' serpent ate all theirs up to show you that God is greater than demon powers And I'm going to tell you right now that if you're afraid of the devil, you need to get God in your life. (laughs) Because he doesn't have the power that your God does. (laughs) God is a deliverer. And so to make a long story short, because I don't have much time here. But at the end of this, the tenth plague was, God said this. He said, I'm going to kill the firstborn son of everybody that doesn't have the blood applied. But he said to Israel, he said, take a lamb and kill the lamb. Put it outside your door on the 10th day. And on the 14th day, you kill that lamb and you apply the blood to the door in three places. Right here on the two sides and over the top. Now, I ask you tonight, what would have happened if those people... See, they heard the word of God about the need to tie the lamb outside the door and then to kill it four days later on the 14th day. What would have happened to those people if they just said, Well, it's okay. Uh, We've got the lamb here. We tied him up. We don't have to kill him, do we? Well, I tell you what would have happened to anybody that just tied the lamb up. Their firstborn would have died too. But God said, tie the lamb the tenth day, and then four days later, you kill the lamb and apply the blood. And everybody that did that at midnight when the death angel passed through Egypt. Hello. See, to us, some of this is just a Bible story. To me, it's something powerful. Because it speaks of my redemption. Redemption. Apply the blood there when that death angel passes through Egypt. Everybody that has the blood applied to their life. Their firstborn will not die. And they will be, they, you will leave tonight from Egypt. And you will be delivered by my power and by my blood. You're going to get out of town tonight. So he didn't just say apply the blood though. He said take the lamb, cook the lamb, eat the lamb along with some herbs etc he also said after you eat the lamb make sure you got your shoes on your feet got your clothes on your body got your staffs in your hand be ready to go because when I pass through you're going to have to be ready to go you can't get ready when I am coming. you can't get ready when I come you got to be ready before I come you have to have the blood applied to your life. you got to be full of the Spirit, full of the Lamb of God. You've got to be clothed. you got to have your staff in your hand, shoes on your feet. you got to be ready when He comes. You're not going to have time to get ready when He comes. Now, I know I'm kind of preaching, but that's okay. See, a lot of people, they've had the blood applied to their life. Now, how do you have the blood applied to you? The Lamb is Jesus. It's the type of Jesus. Okay. He died, was buried, rose again the third day. That's why the blood's applied in three places. Two sides and the top. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. How do I apply that to my life? Repentance. Water baptism in Jesus' name. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's how I apply the blood to my life. In, in three areas. But it's not just enough for me to apply the blood. I gotta be feeding on the lamb. I gotta be full of the Lord, feeding on God i've got to have my shoes on my feet my clothes on my body and my staff in my hand and i've got to be ready at all times because if all i did was apply the blood to my life and i didn't stay ready if i if i just applied the blood but didn't put my shoes on put my clothes on and keep my staff in my hand i'll tell you what would have happened to me i would have been left behind the blood would have been applied and I would have probably, my firstborn would have been saved, but I would have been left behind when they begin to march out of Egypt. I'm trying to tell you tonight that some of you got the blood applied to your life, but you've got to stay ready for his coming. Because if you don't stay ready for his coming, the people of God who are ready are going to march out of this world and they're going to go to be with Jesus. So you've got to stay ready. Stay keep your shoes on your feet. Keep your cloak. Keep the garments of salvation on you. Keep the garments of praise on you. Got to stay clothed and ready to go when he comes. Because you won't have time. If he comes, then to run over there and put your shoes back on your feet. Put your clothes back on. You won't, be, you won't have time to do that when the rapture takes place. So there's a lot of truth in this that we need to help people understand. All right, y'all with me here? So God leads them out of Egypt. And here they go marching. And the Bible said not a dog lifted his tongue against them. Not a dog barked at them as they walked out. See, God even kept the animals quiet. (laughs) Amen. They marched out. And as they marched out behind them, they could hear the wailing and the lamenting and the crying of all of those who didn't apply the blood. They could hear them screaming. They could hear them crying out loud as they went in there. Uh, The ones that didn't have the blood applied, as they went in there and picked up their firstborn, they were dead, friend. The death angel killed them because the blood wasn't applied. Do you have the blood applied to your life tonight? If you don't have the blood applied to your life... There's going to come a time when God's judgment falls on this earth. And if the blood's not applied to your life, then you will be killed. But if you got the blood of Jesus on you, his blood will save you from destruction. They walked in there and Pharaoh walked in his his firstborn son's room. And he found his firstborn son dead. Now, I'm just going to throw this in. Much research has been done as to who that son was that died, Pharaoh's son. And there is a a king that you are familiar with that reigned in Egypt or a prince. His name was Tutankhamun or King Tut. They for years have tried to figure out how King Tut died. Don't really know how he died. It's a mystery how he died. So that many scholars have researched the life of Tutankhamun. He's probably one of the most famous Egyptian rulers ever. And they have researched it and they believe that it's very possible that the son of Pharaoh at that time was King Tut. And that's why he died in an unexplainable way and a mysterious way. Because that Pharaoh didn't apply the blood. I'll give God some praise. You know, it's something to me because I've always been fascinated with King Tut. There's something about that. There's, uh, you know, and I don't know for sure if that's true or not. But it's very interesting to me. They don't know why he died. But I'm here to tell you right now that there were hundreds and thousands of, of young children that died that night because the blood wasn't applied. Is the blood applied to your life? And so God led them out, amen, and he led them by a pillar of fire by night and by a cloud by day. See, you got to be led by the Spirit. Some of you say, well, I got the Holy Ghost, but the Bible said as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You might have got the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. But if you're not led by the Spirit tonight, I wonder if you're still considered to be a child. Because the Bible said they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't play games with God in this hour. It's not worth it, church. Dear brother, be led by the Spirit. So they come out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The nighttime big old pillar of fire, the Shekinah glory of God, visible manifestation of the Lord leads them out of bondage and poverty. God's awesome and sorrow. They've been in there for hundreds of years and God brings them out in a moment by the blood. That's why this is called the Passover feast because when Jesus saw the blood, he passed over the blood of the lamb is Passover. So when we talk about Passover, we're talking about the time that the blood is applied. We're talking about the time that you go to the foot of the cross. We're talking about the time when you repent of your sins and get those sins washed away in Jesus' name. You have to have a Passover in your life or you will die. Give God praise. Say Passover. Now God is leading them out. And this pillar of fire, man, can you imagine a huge column of fire? It looked like a big old atomic cloud. And as this atomic cloud's moving through the wilderness, one day they were slaves in Egypt. The next day they were kings delivered by the power of God. And I'm telling you, it can happen just that quick. It can happen to her brother. Uh, It did happen to her brother just like that one moment he was bound one moment he was going through all kinds of contortion by his own mouth he told me the enemy was twisting my insides up like this contorting him like this and speaking out of him all kinds of strange foolishness one moment he was bound. the next minute the power of god came in there to set him free it's real And that happened to me. One day I was bound. I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to the devil. I was a slave to Pharaoh. I was a slave to this world. But I want you to know that in an instant, I stopped being a slave. And now I'm a king's kid. Delivered by the lamb. Delivered by the blood of the lamb. Delivered by the Passover lamb. And now, and now I'm led by the Spirit of God. So God leads them through the night. He brings them to the Red Sea. Get there to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, they look back behind them and they see dust going everywhere. What is that? Mamas are saying to their husbands, What's that? Children say to you, What's that? What's that dust over there? That's Pharaoh coming back to get you to take you back into bondage see you yeah. I've been delivered and you've been delivered but you've always got to know this that Pharaoh is always after you to get you back in bondage again he he's going to try to chase you down and try to take you back he's going to say no you belong to me but we stand up and say no I belong to Jesus Hallelujah. Sister Lori's brother said, no, I belong to Jesus. See, in case you don't know it right now, the devil wants to take you to hell. And he's after you. But I want you to know there's a God in heaven who has delivered you by his power. But you have to always be aware of the fact that the devil still wants you and he's going to try to track you down and try to chase you down. you got to keep following the glory cloud. you got to keep following God. you got to keep walking with Jesus. you got to stay with God because the devil's after to get you. He's after me. He's after you. Give God praise. And so they come up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh behind them. One mountain on one side, another mountain on another side. And the Red Sea in front. Where do we go from here? We're going to have to trust God to get us out of this one. Amen. We can't walk on water. We can't turn back because Pharaoh's right there. We got a mountain on either side of us. What are we going to do? God says this, he says, Moses, take that same rod of power that you cast down, turned into a serpent and picked up back up and turned into a rod again, the same rod you threw down before Pharaoh and ate up all of those serpents. Take that rod of power, a symbol of my power, God's power, not your power, Moses, God's power and God's authority. Lift that rod out over that Red Sea and as he did that then God split the Red Sea right down the middle the Bible said the breath of his nostrils he just went, whoosh, from his nostrils began to flow the air of the Spirit of God and as soon as it touched that it split that water up the word literally says they were congealed, congealed. that word can mean turned to ice give God praise if it didn't turn into ice, maybe it turned into jello, but it made huge walls on either side of him, and so the glory of God hallelujah the glory of God, the one that caused the Red Sea to split moved behind the people of God, as they passed through the Red Sea, and they blocked Pharaoh from getting to them and so the people of God, they're walking through there, hallelujah, and you know I, I kinda, I kinda like that uh, story, uh, where we have that, that animation, where we have in that animation that they, you know, they made, where you have these fish swimming in the walls. I kinda like that. That as the people of God were walking over on dry ground, they looked up there and they saw a dolphin swim by. They saw a shark swim by. Something that was in that sea. Well, wouldn't that be awesome? Hallelujah. Have a huge aquarium on either side of you and pass over on dry ground. So God delivered the whole people. They passed over on dry ground. That is the standard miracle of the Old Testament. When God spoke through His prophets, and He wanted them to declare to His people His greatness. He always... You read the prophets. He always told them to declare, remember how I brought you through the Red Sea. That is the standard miracle of power in the Old Testament. The standard miracle of power in the New Testament is linked to that, and that's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, if I were living in Old Testament days, I'd preach this to the people to encourage them. But now I'm in New Testament days, and I preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as soon as they passed over on dry ground, then the Bible said that God let the waters come back. But not until Pharaoh rode his chariots inside of there with his army. And then God caused the sea to collapse upon them, wiping all of them out. God's good. I said God's good. They have located that place. They have located. They found chariot wheels. It happened church. They have archaeologically discovered chariot wheels. Some people say, well, at that time, you know, you got all these foolish scientists that try to explain the miracles of God away, and they say, well, the Red Sea was just shallow at that time of the year. Well, I got a question for them. How do you drown Pharaoh and all of his army and all the chariots sinking down like rock in knee-deep water? I want you to know that's a lie from hell. God calls them to be drowned. And on the other side, you, you see, you need to know this foundation. Because what I'm telling you is found in the book of Revelation. It's showing you what's going to happen in the last days. If you don't know this, then you can't understand Revelation. If you don't hear what I'm saying tonight, you won't understand anything I'll preach to you in the future. Because I build on foundation. But I'm here to tell you that Pharaoh's a type of the Antichrist. And he was drowned in the depth of the sea. I want you to know they came up on the other side of the river. And Miriam said, hey, let's do something ladies let's get some tambourines somebody give me a tambourine hurry quickly miriam said you know what this is awesome the lord has triumphed gloriously she said she said he's triumphed gloriously so she took now see a lot of people don't like loud churches they don't like shouting churches they don't like singing churches they don't like worshiping churches well i got news for you you don't like god's move then because when god brought deliverance miriam went all Mir- miriam the prophetess went to the women in the congregation and she began to prophesy over them and she said the lord hath triumphed triumphed over them gloriously they took tambourine in hand and they began to shout and praise god The Bible said they begin to dance. And the word dance there literally means to jump up and spit around. I'm here to tell you. You're looking at somebody that's been delivered from the devil. You're looking at somebody that's going to shout the praise of God. You're looking at somebody that's going to sing the song of triumph everything we do is in the bible when we run when we shout when we dance when we spin around it's in the bible and if you ever get a little taste of it you'll never be the same again you ever get a taste of that victory you'll never be able to go back into another church there and be comfortable again Because there's always going to be something calling you and saying, man, something inside saying, you're a worshiper. You're a dancer. Don't let... So they're singing the praise of God on the other side of the sea. Read the book of Revelation. You'll see these things in the future. God's good, isn't he? How many of y'all love to praise the Lord and dance? God loves worshipers. God loves dancers. God loves singers. He, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. He's enthroned on that worship. So when I come here tonight, I came here to praise the Lord and be a worshiper of God. And you'll find out uh, when you're worshiping Him uh, that the glory is going to be there too. You'll find out when you worship Him the presence of God's going to be there. Too. You'll find out uh, when you worship Him that if you have problems when you came to church tonight, if you worship Him, they'll be drowned in the depth of the sea. Yeah. Woo. He's an awesome God. And so in 1 Corinthians the Bible says that at this time Israel was baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Give God praise. 1st Corinthians 10 they were baptized unto Moses who's a type of the redeemer how do I get baptized to my redeemer in the cloud and in the sea how does that happen well the cloud is the spirit the sea represents the water so when I get baptized in Jesus name and I get filled with the Holy Ghost I'm baptized unto my redeemer in the cloud and in the sea yeah. hallelujah There's a cloud in this house right now that is enveloping us. It's the Spirit of God. And the water is when I went down in Jesus' name. That's how I got connected to my Redeemer. See, this typology, this is the book of redemption. It's the book of salvation. It tells you how to get right with your Redeemer. How to escape the devil. How to escape the world. How to be delivered. How to be set free. By blood, by the Spirit, and by water. Give God praise. Woo! Praise God! I've seen God to do too many awesome things to sit here and get passive here. I've seen a man delivered from demonic oppression. I can't just stand here. No way my God's too great. I've seen it personally with my eyes. demons flee apace. I've seen it. I've experienced it. God's real. I said he's real. He's real. He's not dead. He's alive. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it in your life. So he gets him through the Red Sea. Well, where are you taking us, God? Well, i got to give you some instruction. Because you've been redeemed by blood. Baptized unto Moses in the cloud in the sea. But now you need the word. You need some instruction as to how to worship me. How to to live together in peace. And how to be morally right. Give God praise. How to be spiritually right, how to be socially right, and how to worship me. So I gotta give you a law, not to redeem you, not to save you, but to a people who are redeemed. I give the law to tell them how to live after they're redeemed. Give God praise. And so 50 days after crossing through the Red Sea, 50 days. After resurrection, because when they go through the Red Sea, they're on resurrection ground. You with me here? When they pass through that sea, they're on resurrection ground. And 50 days from the resurrection, something happened in the book of Acts. It's called Pentecost. 50 days after Jesus' resurrection the Holy Ghost was outpoured and tongues of fire, the Shekinah glory set upon each of them and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance 50 days after they went through the Red Sea God was there and He gave them the law and He spoke in about 70 different languages and put His fire His fire was seen there at Mount Sinai so you have the type in the Old Testament and then you have the fulfillment of the type in the New Testament. I'm telling you tonight. You see, I can prove my experience is real by the types in the Old Testament. Everything that's happened to me and it's happened to you. Everything that's happening here tonight, I can find it typically in the Old Testament. So they had a typical Pentecost when they got to Mount Sinai, praise God. And it's there that God gave them the law, hallelujah. (laughs) And when you get the Spirit of God inside of you, that's when He puts His law in the inward man. He writes His law on the table of your heart so that you can be led from within inside of you. Give God praise. And on Mount Sinai, not only did he get the law, but he got the plan for the tabernacle. Say the tabernacle. (laughs) Give God some praise, would you? Well, you know the story. When he went up there to get the law, they were down there in the base of the hill. They just threw a big old party, had a big old time, got drunk. All this stuff was going on. Moses comes down. He throws that first set down. He got to go back up there again and get another set. Y'all know the story, right? Let's find out what happened. God gave him the plan for the tabernacle. Say the tabernacle. At that same time. Hallelujah. Now, because the people of Israel did not believe God. I'm moving real, quick, real fast. I've got to. I have to. He gave them the lot there at Mount Sinai. And so they're on their way to the promised land. The point is God didn't just deliver you just to deliver you from sin. When God brought you out of Egypt and he brought you out of sin. And he delivered you from the devil and the world. He didn't just do that to do that. He didn't deliver you just to get you out. He delivered you to get you in to the promised land. He delivered you to get you into his blessing. See, he don't want to just save me from my sin. He wants to bless me with abundance. He said, I didn't just bring you out of Egypt just to bring you out. He said, I've got a land, a promised land for you. And when you go over there, they walked over in the promised land. And guess what they celebrated? The Feast of Tabernacles. So they went from Passover at? In Egypt, they, and then they went to Pentecost at Mount Sinai. And then when they went into the Promised Land, they entered into the Feast of Tabernacles. The three feasts of God. Are you hearing me right now? See, God saved me by His blood. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. But I want you to know He didn't just do it to get me out of something. He gave me that to get me into something. And i want you to know tonight you're looking at a preacher that's going to take god in his word and everything that god has for me i'm gonna go and get it i'm not discontent to be set free from sin and the devil god has something for us church that he wants to give you tonight And so they get, they get right over to the edge of this awesome promise of God. And they send out 12 spies. You with me? 12 spies. Ten of them come back. Yeah, just like God said. Land's flowing with milk and honey. Awesome blessing. Just like God said. But there's giants in the land. That's what 10 of them said. They're full of unbelief and doubt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? they've been set free by blood they've been delivered out of Egypt they went to Mount Sinai, they went through the Red Sea baptizing them the Moses in the sea and the cloud then went to Mount Sinai and experienced a Pentecostal type experience and then God said I want to take you into further deeper great things of promise, but you know what they at way over here after everything that God had done for them they enter into unbelief and say no we can't do it because there's too many obstacles, there's too many giants in the land, that's what 10 of them said but there was a couple Joshua and Caleb Bible said Caleb had another spirit Joshua and Caleb walk into the camp and say yeah look at this bunch of grapes we got it took two men to carry them huge grapes man like cantaloupes are bigger maybe like what i don't know how big they were but it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes they said look at what is over there look at the size of these grapes the land is flowing with milk and honey there's wells that are there that we don't even have to dig houses that are already built that we don't even have to build all we got to do is go get it And those two, Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once and possess the land. For we are well able to possess it. Let's go get it. But because of those ten, you know, spies that were just full of doubt and unbelief. Because of that caused the whole congregation to start murmuring and get full of sorrow and doubt. And as a result of that, God begins to judge them there. And as judgment begins to move through the camp, then the people say, oh, let's go now. No, 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 no. You got to go when God tells you you can go. You don't go when it's convenient to you. I don't go when it's convenient to me. I go because God said go. I feel the Holy Ghost. But you see, they said now because God's judging them, now let's go up. God said, no, 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 no. You'll go by yourself now. You'll go by yourself now because you didn't go when I told you to go and because you got full of unbelief and doubt. And so you can't go up. And so God sends them in the wilderness for 40 years they're going in circles 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 don't let that happen to you don't let unbelief and doubt get a hold of you don't but don't disobey God don't get in unbelief because what's going to happen to your life you've experienced great and powerful deliverance in your life but what's going to happen to you is when you go back out in the world in unbelief you will wander for 40 years in a wilderness aimlessly walking by the same plant I've seen that plant before yeah we walked by that a year ago here they go the second year seen that plant before yeah nothing but circles 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 seeing the same old same old thing don't let that happen to you don't come on hear the word of god to you tonight don't let that happen to you you have experienced powerful things in god if you're not careful you'll end up in a wilderness it's cold at night in the wilderness it's hot in the daytime in the wilderness you don't want to be outside of god's will for your life I've seen church people, God do great powerful things for them and they get full of doubt and unbelief and they go out in the world and they wonder and they wonder and they wonder and they wonder and God let them wonder for 40 years until that generation that did not believe God died off. Are you with me? (laughs) But the children, the offspring, God said, I'm going to let them go in along with Joshua and caleb because joshua and caleb believed my word and said let us go up at once and possess the land we're not going to listen to the, the doubts and the unbelief and the murmuring and the complaining of these people we're going to believe god we're going to take god at his word and because of that they got over into the promised land and caleb got an inheritance Joshua got an inheritance because they believed God. Will you believe God? Give God praise. (laughs) Forgive me for preaching it, but it's like a fire shut up in my bones. They didn't have to wander in the wilderness. I said they didn't have to, it was needless i said it was needless god wanted to take them straight from mount sinai into a land flowing with milk and honey houses they didn't even build wells they didn't even dig abundance that was there but because of unbelief in their own lives they never experienced the promise of god give god some praise here how many you're gonna believe the word of god to you tonight you're gonna to say i'm gonna take god in this word i'm not going to let doubt get a hold of me i'm going to possess the promises of god give god a hand clap praise <laughs> he's able well let me get into the tabernacle i'm gonna to have to finish this bible study up god gave the tabernacle to moses in mount sinai amen and while they're wandering in the wilderness they have a place where they can fellowship with god God's going to be right in their midst he's going to dwell in them or dwell with them tabernacled with them the glory of god right why did god give that tabernacle it is a figure the bible says let me give you the scriptures okay luke 24 44. sometime you can read that but what jesus does there in that chapter is he's with his disciples are you here Well, you remember the story where they're walking on the road to Emmaus? Well, what he basically does is this. He says this. He says, what was written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms were concerning me. He said everything that's in that Old Testament was about me. And so that is the the scripture basis for the tabernacle. That the tabernacle was about Jesus. Because the law was about him. The prophets were about him. And the Psalms were about him. If you want to know what all this type and shadow was about. It all pointed to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all still awake? (laughs) Well if you're not I'm happy. hebrews chapter 9 the bible calls this a figure say a figure let me turn my little beeper on here a figure say a figure this was a figure a figure is a sketch it's an outline of something to come in the future it's called a shadow say a shadow in hebrews 10 1. what is a shadow It's a reflection of light. There is an object standing in light. And when the light hits the object, it casts a shadow. What is this shadow? Well, ultimately, this is Jesus typically. When he's standing there, when he comes into the world, the light of heaven is shining on him and through him. But that light hits him and it goes back to the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a shadow. He's the object standing in light the glory of God is shining on him but ultimately it's the cross the cross is the object standing in light so that whoo God, way over here in eternity future God shines his light backwards he hits that cross when that light hits that cross, the shadow of that cross lays over on that tabernacle right there so that God God's us. It's already finished with him. He just shines on it and casts it back down in the Old Testament so that when Israel sees this tabernacle, it's to teach them about the one that's going to come. Give God praise. Say a shadow. The Bible says, Hebrews 8, 5, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it's an example. It's in a pattern. It's a pattern. It's an example. All right, let's talk about this tabernacle. It's got an outer court. With me here? <laughs> outer court right here. This is the outer court. See this? On the outside, this wall right here, wall on the backside, wall right there that is the outer enclosure right there okay you hear with me it's a wall it's about seven feet high there's only one gate into it right there see right here is the outer court right here is the holy place and then behind that's the most holy place you with me here okay when you first walk up to the outer court you walk up to a gate right here this gate now we are you here this gate has four poles on it. You can't see the poles in this diagram. Hallelujah. But there would be four poles right there the scripture says in the book of Exodus. These four poles are the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four poles are holding up the gate. The gate is made up of linen. Fine linen. It is purple in color. It's blue in color. It's scarlet in color. And it's white in color. So what are these four Gospels doing? They're holding up the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. They're holding up the gate. So the four Gospels are holding up Jesus to you. They're presenting Jesus to you as the the man blue. The man from heaven. They are presenting to you the man Purple, the King of kings and Lord of lords. They are presenting you the man scarlet, the sacrifice for your sin. They're presenting you the man white, the righteousness of God. Now you notice this, that the only way into the tabernacle is through this gate. The only way into the presence of God is through Jesus Christ. You can't get to him. By trying to climb up or climb underneath it's too high the walls are seven feet tall you can't you can't do it by your own good works you've come short of the glory of god and you can't climb underneath either you've got to go through jesus christ the door into the kingdom of god (laughs) so when you read the gospels then you're reading about jesus christ now i'm preaching like this because i don't have a lot of time and I got a lot of stuff to cover. Y'all still y'all with me? Did y'all go back to sleep? <laughs> How many of y'all going to walk through the gate of the Gospels? <coughs> All right, that's the outer court. When you get there, you're going to see in the outer court a brass altar and a brass laver. You with me here? Now, and I'll explain this to you in a minute. Then you go in the tabernacle itself. This is the holy place. The measurements are 10 by 10. Look, watch this. I got to get this right. Yeah, yeah. 10 wide, 10 high, and 20 long. So it's 10 by 10 by 20. Now, wonder what that represents. It represents the church age. 2,000 year church age. Now, Coach, in case you don't know, it is 2,000. Four right now. That's by our calendar. So what I'm trying to say is that the church age is about to come to an end. If you're not in the church you better get in the church because we're about at the end of we're about at the end of this age. Because it's 10 by 10 by 20. Then you got a veil right there separating the holy place from the most holy place. Hello? Well that's the information. 10 by 10 by 20 Equals the church age or 2,000 years from the Holy Ghost being poured out to the covenant of Jesus. Shall see that? All right. Keep on going. Then you have the Holy of Holies. All right. In the Holy of Holies behind the veil, you've got the Ark of the Covenant. This is the throne of God. This speaks of the kingdom. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you hear? In the holy place, you had the table of showbread. And on the south side, you had the, the labor, the brass labor here, the light. And right before the veil, you had the altar of incense. Here's the veil and the Holy of Holies. That's where God's throne was right there. The size of this is 10 by 10 by 10 high. Wonder what that represents. (coughs) Thousand years. Revelation chapter 20 talks about a thousand year kingdom age. The length of the future kingdom age is a thousand years. So after the church age of two thousand years, then there's going to be a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth that is called the kingdom age and so we've got the king right here and the dimensions of that tabernacle way back in exodus the second book in the bible is showing you the pattern of the church and the pattern of the future kingdom that we haven't even seen yet and it's time it's length of time god's awesome so let's talk about the brass altar. Say the brass altar. <coughs> it's a place of death. <coughs> it's a place of death. So you walk up through the gate. When you walk through the gate of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you're going to move into the book of Acts. Hello? See, I can find my salvation here. In the Gospels, I find out about Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, what he did. In the book of Acts, I find out how to get into him. So when I walk into the outer court, that's the first piece of furniture I see. It speaks of death. Now, what does it speak of? Well, let's look at it. The altar was a place of death and shedding of blood. It's a picture of Jesus' death for us. Jesus Christ was our lamb and perfect sacrifice, right? <coughs> Priests offered sacrifices of lambs and bullocks on this altar. Our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. We must die daily to the flesh. This pictures not only Jesus' death, but it's, it's the first step in coming to God for you. The first step is repentance. Repentance is when you confess your sin to God. But this was done daily. They offered sacrifice daily. You have to repent every day of your life. <coughs> repentance is not a one-time experience repentance is a daily experience where you die to your will you die to your flesh and if you do that then you'll be saved it's not just one time in the past but it's every day i repent today for my sin i died today now i put myself on an altar <laughs> Because right now, it's not a dead sacrifice that's on the altar. It's a living sacrifice, which is our body. There's no way to enter in to perform services in the tabernacle except by the way of the altar. Are you with me? No way to enter in the presence of God except by way of repentance, and that's death. So, every day of my life, I've got to die to myself to uh, to move in the spirit, in the presence of God. Are you with me right now? God's awesome. That's the altar. That's the first piece of furniture. It's made of shadow. wood. It's overlaid with brass. Brass speaks of judgment. Shadow wood speaks of the incorruptible humanity of Jesus Christ. Are you with me here? So Jesus was judged. Sin was judged in him on the cross for us. Now, what I do is I go to the cross and I repent of my sin. And when I do that, when I confess my sin, he forgives me of my sin right there. But I don't stop there. I keep going. And there's another piece of furniture in the outer enclosure. It's called the brass laver. Y'all with me still? All right. The priest had to wash at this brass laver. This laver right here was made out of the looking glasses of the women. They took their mirrors and they gave their mirrors to God. They took earthly beauty and gave it to God for heavenly holiness. So that whenever the priest approached this laver, he saw himself as God sees him. He saw his need of cleansing. So he'd go there and he'd wash at that laver. Now, the priest was washed from head to toe the first time. They put a little boof up. The Jewish scholarship says put a little boof up. And they washed him from head to toe. That's water baptism. After that, then they wash their hands and their feet daily. You with me? That represents the Word of God. So you've been water baptized in Jesus' name, washed from head to toe. But every time you come to church and hear the Word of God, you are being cleansed. And you have to be cleansed all the time by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The water cleanses you. You got what I'm saying here. So this is a type of water baptism. And it's a type of the word thereafter that cleanses you. God's good. See, we shared this with you Sunday night. The word of God will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from the word of God. You mark that down. When you come to hear the word of God, this will keep sin out of your life. And so the lady was made of brass. Look at the rest of the women reflected reflected, made of the, uh, let's see, of the one who approached it. Repentant sinner sees himself as he is when he prepares to be baptized. All right? You recognize, man, I'm a sinner. I need saving. I've confessed my sin at the altar, but I need to have my sin washed away. Now, I got news for you. There's a lot of churches that aren't preaching this plan of salvation. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to be very bold in saying it, You better get out of her. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said this to the false church system. He said to his people, come out from among her and be ye separate, saith God. He says that in Corinthians. Come out from among her and be ye separate, saith God, and I will receive you unto myself. If you're part of a church system that's not preaching the poor, uh, the full plan of salvation. You better stop playing games. You better get out of there. Because even in this Old Testament type, I can find the plan of salvation. That must be preached. I said it must be preached. And Now watch. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. This labor, This piece of furniture. Although it's the second piece of furniture. In the outer court. It is the last piece of furniture recorded in scripture the last piece of furniture recorded in scripture because God wants you to get it he wants you to see how important this labor is right here are you with me right now God said this to Moses the last command to Moses and this is found in Exodus 30 verse 20 through 21 the last command to Moses was Wash at the laver that you die not. Now, it must be very, very important for God to place this in the last piece of furniture and then to give the very last command. You wash at the laver that you die not. Because the last words of Jesus in the New Testament was this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So he takes you back to this Old Testament type. So it's not he that believeth and is saved shall be baptized; it's he that is that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and that's the last words jesus said will you change god's word will you say it's not necessary when god gave it as the last command to moses and the last command before he left he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved so the first step is repentance acts two thirty eight. next step is after repentance and say repentance oh hello I got to get practical here oh say repentance you don't get water baptized because your girlfriend did then you're not a true believer and you haven't truly repented. If you did that 20 years ago, then you need to get re-baptized in Jesus' name because it's only for those who have truly repented of sin. That baptism means nothing to you if you did not truly believe and truly repent of sin. Give God praise. Thank God for the truth. So you read Acts 2. He's going through these steps. All right, you got it? Now, so in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, he said, you're washed. You're washed. God, you're washed. Say, you're washed. You're sanctified. Set apart. You are justified how? In the name of the Lord Jesus, So when you go down in water, it is in the name of Jesus that you have to be baptized, not the titles. In the name of Jesus. In case you don't know it, this water right here that was in that labor, where'd they get that water in the wilderness? Where'd they get that water in the wilderness? They got it from the rock. And 1 Corinthians says, that rock that followed them was Christ. I'm here to tell you that the water that flowed from the rock who was Christ, that rock's a type of Jesus. This is Jesus' name water in the Old Testament. So when we baptize people, we don't baptize them in the titles. We baptize them in Jesus' name water. (laughs) You're washed. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11, He talks about all kinds of sin. Now, hold on. Let me give you some good news here. And this is all good news. But the Corinthians, there's people that are homosexuals. There's drug addicts. That's who they used to be. Some of you are saying, boy, I'm just too bad that God can't save me. God, The Bible said God will forgive all manner of sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is able to forgive all manner of sin. If you're a homosexual, God can deliver you. If you are an adulterer, God can forgive you. If you are drunkard, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God can forgive you as long as you be not reprobate. As long as you haven't crossed the line. And if you, listen, if you crossed the line, you wouldn't be here tonight. So if you're here tonight, you can be forgiven all manner of sin. Such, he says, watch, watch, and such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of my God. So I got water baptized in this name. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how I got justified. Okay. (laughs) golden candlestick now we are out of the outer court area we're in the holy place this is the golden candlestick y'all recognize it let's talk about it here this represents revelation say revelation you need the revelation of the word don't need just to repent get filled with the holy ghost and get water baptized in jesus name you need a revelation of the word Because if you don't have light operating in you tonight, then you can't see his glory and you cannot see the bread. You can't see the finished work without revelation. You can't see the glory of God without revelation. You've got to have light. Men in the world walk in natural light. Did you hear what I said? The natural man walks in natural light. You got a lot of very powerful men in the world. You got a lot of very wealthy men in the world. You've got executives in the world that don't know Jesus who are atheists you know why because they walk in natural light they trusted their own natural ability they trusted their natural intellect oh yeah you're not going to hear me but I'm going to get down here and talk to you a little bit you better be careful about uh, leaning upon your own understanding and trusting your natural ability and your natural intellect because uh, there's a lot of men in the world they're self-made men they made them Themselves, what they are today by walking in natural physical light but you can't understand god walking in natural physical light you've got to walk in revelation light of the spirit of god to understand god that's why you say well why don't these powerful men see it and these wealthy men see it Because they walk in natural light and you can't see God or understand God being a self-made man. you got to get a revelation of God. Hello, somebody. Give God praise. Woo, I feel good. See, tonight I'm walking in natural light or I'm walking in supernatural light i'm walking in the light of this candlestick right here i'm walking in the light of the physical sun out there in the world but you've got to have the revelation of god operating in your life tonight to see god to see his glory and i know this is boring for you and it's a home bible study but i don't care i don't care what you do Hold on. Don't get excited on me. You can sit there and do all this. and Oh, this is just so basic. You go right ahead and do all that. I don't care. You're not going to stop me from preaching this foundational truth. I've got to give you this foundational truth because i tell you why. When I take you to the heavens or God takes you to the heavens in the word, when we talk about third dimension walking in God and all this kind of stuff, you're looking at me like, what? Because you don't even understand the basic fundamental truth. And so I'm going to preach it to you. You can sit there and fold your arms. What we need is a revelation. Because you can't understand God tonight without a revelation. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Are you getting fresh revelation from God? Or are you walking in natural wisdom? Are you walking in philosophy and psychology of the world? Are you walking by revelation of God's word? It is only by that light that you can see his glory and you can see the finished work. It's not psychiatrists are gonna show it to you. You'll die and go to hell trusting in the physical natural light and being a self-made man and a self-made woman. But if you'll get a revelation from God, then you will see God. So it was not, which brings me to this. It was not natural light. Without it, the tabernacle would have been in darkness. Jesus Christ is the divine light. Say divine light. Without him, a life is in darkness. I said, your life is in darkness if he's not in your life. I don't care how successful you've been. I don't care how educated you are, and I don't care how much money you got. It makes no difference to God. What you've got to get is get a revelation of the light. You've got to get a revelation of God to understand God. It's not acquired by natural the natural man receiveth not the things of God. They are foolish to him. And when, I, when the Bible says the natural man, he's talking about the natural man or the natural woman doesn't get God because they walk in their natural light. It's spiritually discerned. It's by revelation. All right. Jesus Christ, divine light, without him life's is By this light, the priest could see to eat the showbread. Did you hear what I said? Or what this said? They could see to eat the showbread and offer incense. Without revelation, you can't see what the cross did for you. Without revelation, you can't see what the finished work is about. Without revelation, are you here right now? You can't eat the bread, which is a type of the finished work yes hallelujah without it without revelation you're not going to offer incense And incense in the Bible is prayer and praise. You see, people, if you're walking in natural light, you don't praise God. When you walk in natural light, you don't offer incense because it's foolishness to you. It's crazy to see a bunch of people jumping around, lifting their hands and dancing under God. It's foolishness to you because you're walking in a natural realm. You've got to get a revelation to see the cross a, a revelation. To praise God now what will happen to people is this thought comes to them well that's for those crazy people but not for me you better be careful when that natural light comes to you like that because that'll take you straight to hell you 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 are in darkness. I'm. Te- watch this. I am not talking about a person you know uh, who's not saved here. I'm talking about a person who is a priest that's been redeemed by blood. If you're not getting a revelation of God tonight, a revelation of the light tonight, your life right now, saints, saints, your life right now is enveloped with darkness darkness comes in your spirit it comes in your mind it comes in your soul are you with me and in the place of darkness operates all kinds of demon powers and oh you with me right now because they love darkness that's why the devil do everything he can to keep you out of this church because he knows that once you get here you're going to get a revelation of the truth and when you get a revelation of the cross And a revelation, and you understand God, and you begin to praise and worship Him because you got that revelation. Your life is no longer going to be filled with confusion and darkness and chaos. It's going to be filled with a light and understanding and a knowledge of God. Don't walk in natural light. Give God praise. Let your neighbor say he's preaching to the saints. If I don't have fresh revelation right now operating in me, I find my life being enveloped with darkness. And I'm saying, God, but I belong to you. See, I wish I had time. I can't take you in all the levels of this. This is foundational. But there are so many levels in this if we could get there. But I don't. I can't. That's not the purpose of this. this is this foundational? But you can be saved in in darkness because you don't have a present revelation of the light in your life. You come to church, sit on the pew, and wonder what's going on in my life. It's because something has caused you to drift back out into natural lights. And you start relying on your human ability and your human reason. And darkness envelops you. That's why it's so important to hear the word of God preached. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The light in the golden candlestick was to burn continually, it was to never go out. Through Jesus Christ, we become the light to the world to burn continually. So that when I get fresh revelation of God, and I go out, or I stand before you and I preach, then what happens? I become a witness to the world that's in darkness. I walk out there as light in the midst of chaos and darkness. It is a disgrace to God for the people of God to be enveloped in darkness and to to walk like they do in the world. Because God gave us light to help them get out of that darkness. To get them out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. And I'm supposed to burn every day. I'm supposed to burn continually. That means when my dad's days, my dad... (laughs) That when, my, that when my day's bad, I'm supposed to still be a light. When I got all kinds of problems, I'm still supposed to be a light. When I've got circumstances in my life, I'm still supposed to be a light. I am never. God doesn't ever want me to go out. When I come to church, I'm supposed to be a light. I've got to get a revelation that somebody's in that house that's enveloped with darkness. And the only light they see is a light that's operating in me. And if it's not operating in me, where are they going to find it? What's happened is, if I don't continue to walk in light and continue to be the light, then what's happened is I have become darkened. You know the scripture says this. It says this, that if you don't give him glory, watch this. If you refuse to give him glory... The light that you have will be turned to darkness. He's talking to saints. You got to stay in a place in God. And God nowhere ever said it was going to be easy. If you think, if you're looking for an easy way, you come to the wrong way. The way into God's kingdom is straight, and it's narrow, and it's not easy road. It's not an easy street. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking for an easy street where you can have the world and have Jesus too, you don't want to come to this church because I'm going to tell you what God wants me to tell you, that you can't have both. You got to keep walking in the light. Got to keep glorifying Him. If we don't, the darkness, the light that we had will be turned to darkness. That's what the prophet Jeremiah said. So we are to be a continual light. (coughs) Hallelujah. This golden candlestick was for instruction. Say the light that was here. was for instruction. To get a revelation of what? The altar of incense and the table of showbread. So they could see that so they can see that so you can see the finished word so you can see the glory of God so that you can be a reflection of that so that you can be what you see because you become what you see if you're looking at darkness right now that's what you are if you're looking at light and you've got a revelation of Jesus then you are a light because you, ref- you become what you're looking at Man, I feel the Holy Ghost see some of you don't know why I'm preaching like I am but right now in the spirit God is reaching for somebody he wants to take them out of darkness and I'm not talking about somebody that's in the world I'm talking about somebody in the church that demons have invaded their life because they're walking in darkness we gotta wake up we gotta take this serious God's an awesome God. Say so it's for instruction. Okay, so the altar out there had fire. This has fire. I don't want to scare you to death. I'm not trying to do that. I see some of y'all freaking out on me. The altar in the outer court was a place of destruction. This light is a light of instruction. Instruction. you hear what I'm saying say destruction instruction the altar or the place of the altar in my life is where I am destroyed it's where God goes in and gets everything out of me that is not like him it's a place where I die daily not one time but daily it's where I die Lay down my life. And it's when he goes in. And he destroys by the work of the cross. Everything that is not Christ like. And I must be destroyed. The sin in my life must be destroyed. Hello. Okay. We'll get there. I got to go on. Okay. Just hang in here. Say destruction. Destruction. Say instruction. Destruction is the altar outside and out of court. This is in the holy place. It's a place of instruction where they can see, right? Okay. It's made of beaten gold. Represents purity. One solid piece of gold beaten out, hammered out. That's pretty much all I want to say to that, okay? There's a lot, but okay. Over on the north side is the table of showbread. Hello? Table of showbread. Say showbread. Or the bread of presence. It's got holes all over it. It's pierced. It speaks of the finished work of the cross. Hello? Jesus is the true bread. Let me get these scriptures down here for you. The priest lived upon the show bread. He received strength and vigor. Hello? The candlestick, I get revelation. But the bread is the word of God. I get strength. But you see, I need both. I need revelation and the word to be what I need to be hello I need revelation and I need the Word of God I need to feed on it now watch we receive strength and grow in Christ as we eat the bread of life right the showbread was to be continually renewed the Word of God must continually be renewed in our lives I will tell you right now it is not an option to go to church I'll tell it to you again, it's not an option to go to church if you want to go in the rapture. If you want to make it in the rapture, going to church is not an option. Because you've got to feed on the Word of God to get strength. You have to come and sit under the Word of God as it's preached. And when you leave here, you come in here feeling all weak, all sick, all depressed, all discouraged. But you leave here, something happens in you. You get strong. You feel powerful. You feel strong. Because that's what the Word is for. So you get revelation light And you get fed the Word. And when you get fed the Word, you get spiritually strong. You eat physical food. to get physical strength. You eat spiritual food to get spiritual strength and if you're not eating spiritual food you're spiritually weak if you're not eating physical food you're physically weak